Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about betonline.ag. College hoops has began, college football is into the last two weeks, and we've got all the NFL, NBA, and hockey action on BetOnline Sportsbook. Use our promo code BLEAVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with the link in the description to this episode. BetOnline, where the game starts. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, or good night, however and whenever it is you may be listening, thank you for stopping into another fantabulous episode of the Take It Easy podcast live on the believe podcast network except it isn't live because it is as always a podcast welcome 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 everybody it is a wonderful nfl monday coming at you here on november 14th week 10 of the nfl season has concluded and fortunately today is going to be one of those days where we just get to dive all the way into a single game because one of those five games of the year that i talk about every year it happened this week did i think it was going to happen this week not necessarily wasn't a guarantee that it would happen but vikings and bills was kind of going into this one of those like fringe games of the year situation where I say every year there's five football games that you have to watch and it are the games that involve the four elite NFL teams or the six elite NFL teams or however many there are every season when you have a matchup between those teams it's a must watch kind of game or there's some weird circumstances that allow for a must watch type of game the games that feel like playoff games there's usually only five of them in the regular season in the NFL every year. Chiefs-Bills, definitely one of those this year. Bills-Rams first game of the season, definitely one of those games this year. Kansas City playing Baltimore, I don't think they play this year, but those are always games that you can point to as being one of those games of the year type of matchups. Vikings and Bills is a weird one because like even though the Vikings are 7-1 going into this game, Minnesota is a team that I think of as like a second round exit type of team. Where if Minnesota loses in the wildcard round to like San Francisco, I would look at that and be like, yeah, that's something that checks out. I think San Francisco might still be a better team than the Minnesota Vikings. And you just look at a result like that and I'm like, yeah, that pans out. Minnesota is a a divisional round playoff team and a team like Buffalo, who is the best team in the NFL, is a seven point favorite against said Minnesota Vikings team. And even with a quarterback coming into the game with a UCL injury, they jump out to a 27 to 10 lead and they're pretty comfortably winning the game and all that stuff. And then all the crazy shit happens that we know about with Vikings and Bills. So according to the list that I have here, I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 different points that I want to talk about here today with Vikings and Bills. And maybe the easier way to do this podcast would be to focus in on just three of these and then just build it out over 45 minutes so that we get a deep, nuanced look at a few of these. I want to try and get through or at least acknowledge some talking points around all 10. So maybe this will be a macro-level podcast about Vikings and Bills. 
Either way, it's going to be 45 minutes of intense Vikings and Bills talk, game-type breakdowns, because, again, this was the only game that was really worth a damn in terms of records and schedule and actual playoff implications going in. I'd also like to just point out off the front end, I said when uh, the Vikings were kind of storming back little by little against Buffalo that this game had divisional playoff vibes, which is Buffalo is clearly the more talented team than Minnesota. Buffalo is clearly the better team, and Buffalo is playing like the better team at times when they can just fart 60-yard passes to Stephon Diggs or 20-yard plays to Gabe Davis that set up touchdowns that put him up 27-10 to like they were earlier in the game. So the first point I want to talk about is how Buffalo got from 20, got to 27-10 because, yes, it was a 27-10 lead with like the end, towards the end of the third quarter. The way Buffalo did it I thought was interesting because the story coming out of this originally was Josh Allen playing through injury. And Josh Allen had a turnover in the red zone for the Bills early on in the game that didn't lead to any Vikings points. It was still consequential because Buffalo gets in the red zone. They almost always score, usually a touchdown. Rarely do you see turnovers from Josh Allen. They put up a stat on the broadcast that in the last 67 games prior to the last two for the Buffalo Bills, Josh Allen had two red zone turnovers, two, or sorry, last 67 drives. They had two red zone turnovers. Last 67 trips to the red zone, they had two turnovers. And then in the last two games they've played, they've had four. They've had four red zone turnovers in the last two games they've played. The previous 67 drives before that, they had two total across the board. So this is a circumstance where the Buffalo Bills are really good at protecting the football once they get in the red zone, and they score a whole bunch of points while doing it. Like uh, Gabe Davis had that uh, one-on-one touchdown, I think it was with Dantzler. I I can't remember who it was now, but I believe the one-on-one touchdown to him. Uh, They had a touchdown to Singletary that could have, should have, would have been Zach Moss's touchdown. Buffalo was pretty consistently able to move the ball on the Minnesota defense. And the Minnesota defense, like we talked about a couple weeks ago, I think it was uh, week five, actually, so maybe that was like a month ago. When we were talking about Minnesota, one of the things that I thought was very poignant to talk about is that Minnesota's defense is incredibly turnover-dependent, which means it can mean a good defense. It just means it's hard to translate year-to-year, week-to-week if your team isn't forcing turnovers. And... This turnover-dependent defense, I think at the time Minnesota had the second-best margin of turnovers in the NFL. Uh, This was, again, week six or seven, I believe, that we did an NFL Monday podcast on the Vikings. And they they were one of the best turnover margin teams because they were forcing a lot of turnovers, not because their offense wasn't turning the ball over, because they were forcing a lot of turnovers. And so Minnesota... Their defense is better because of that. It'll look better in the numbers because turnovers are so costly for offenses in the modern NFL and their offense is the Minnesota offense is incredibly Justin Jefferson reliant now they're able to run the football but about 36 percent of their offensive plays go through Justin Jefferson in the passing game it is all Justin Jefferson and the rest of the time they're working on running the ball and doing end arounds with KJ Osborne like they called for on fourth down in the game against Buffalo that's what we're looking at with Minnesota it is a Kirk it is a um a, a Justin Jefferson driven offense which sometimes is the best thing to do he's the best wide receiver in the NFL giving him the ball more is a good thing 
Justin Jefferson-driven offense is not a negative. It's just a point about the Minnesota offense that right now I believe is ranked ninth in the NFL in DVOA. That Viking offense is Justin Jefferson-reliant, and their defense is built on turnovers, which they were doing against Josh Allen quite a bit. So to get to 27-10, the Buffalo turned the ball over and was still able to move the ball down the field. And it was interesting because we know Josh Allen's battling injuries, And so early on in the game, I'm watching it be a very run-heavy type of team. I'm watching Buffalo take the ball. I'm watching Devin Singletary get a bunch of carries. I'm watching James Cook have, uh, I believe, was like an eight-yard run to set them up for first and goal, and then he almost scored after that. Uh, They called an end-around play to McKenzie, and he ended up going for an 18-yard rush in the game. Like, Buffalo was very much in the rushing style where at one point Josh Allen I believe was 10 for 10 for 17 for 88 yards passing early on in the game this was again when it was around 2710 I think that was a, a, a little bit before 2710 but Josh Allen was very much just managing through the game because that's all that was being asked of him yes he had the turnover in the red zone he also had the touchdown afterwards so you know take the the pros with the cons basically um with buffalo you know fumbling the ball in the red zone early on in the game and so you look at that situation and then uh, a singletary had a fumble also later on but still you're looking at buffalo having a couple of turnovers and still being able to weather that situation so then from 27 10 we get the dalvin cook 62 or, or 60 what was it uh six oh sorry 81 81 yard touchdown for dalvin cook which by the way if you take away the 81 yard touchdown it was 13 carries for 38 yards for dalvin cook so like not super effective in the running game alexander madison was three carries for 11 yards buffalo's running defense did an incredible job against the Vikings, which again points back to the Justin Jefferson dependent offense, whereas Minnesota at one point in the game threw the ball 32 times, and I believe, not 16, uh, 13 of the targets were to Justin Jefferson. That's over a 40% clip in the passing game working through Justin Jefferson, which I believe only Cooper Cup has a higher percentage rate at this point in the season. Again, this was uh, stats from back in week seven, so maybe those numbers have changed now. But it was consistent with Jefferson being at 36% of the offensive play calls run through him. And lo and behold, today, Justin Jefferson was targeted on 32% of the Vikings' passes in the game. Now, obviously, towards the end of the game, that number changes a bit. But that's more closer to the average than it was, uh, say, when it was 36 37 38%. So we're looking at a situation where... Running game is not there for the Vikings until you have the big play that leads to seven points. Buffalo defense makes the mistake. Dalvin Cook breaks an 81-yard run, and also Dalvin Cook is ridiculously fast and has breakaway speed against safeties and corners. So then it's 27-17 at that point. Then you have the next drive. Buffalo, as they've done the whole game, goes right down the field, gets it into the red zone. It's into the fourth quarter, and they get stopped in the red zone for fourth and two at the six yard line and this probably would have been the big play of the game or the big story of the game if not for all the bullshit that happened afterwards but when it's 27 17 they have fourth and two at the six so all they have to do is pick up the first down and buffalo 
calls a play that has Josh Allen rolling to his right, which, by the way, is not the worst strategy in the world. If you call a design run play for Josh Allen in that in that circumstance, I look at it, I'm like, yeah, I understand why you would call a design run play on fourth and two when you don't have to score the touchdown. And if you're going to call a design run play, the best running back on the Buffalo Bills is Josh Allen. So he's rolling... And then Allen throws the ball to Dawson Knox, who's kind of working towards the back corner. The throw is just so far offline from Knox, and it gets intercepted by Patrick Peterson because Patrick Peterson's just watching Josh Allen's eyes as he moves the ball to the back corner. And it's one of those dumb turnovers that happens with Josh Allen. We just haven't seen it as much as the past few game or the, sorry the past few years we saw a few of these i believe it was in the the dolphins game josh allen had some weird plays like that that uh one was dropped for an interception and one was an interception where it was just a a kind of dumb play from josh allen but this was a dumb play and when peterson intercepts it i'm like okay whatever it's fourth down you'd rather him just throw it to the end zone, then just throw it away. Like, there's no, you know, whatever. You're at the six-yard line, it's fourth down anyways. But then Peterson intercepts it, and because the throw is off target, Peterson is able to break 30 yards down the field. And then there's the the play that might get forgotten, might get remembered, where Josh Allen throws his injured arm at Patrick Peterson while he's already on the ground to make the tackle. And Josh Allen, to me, comes off as a quarterback who really does sit with his mistakes. Like, the mistakes really do eat at Josh Allen. And it's not to say it's a negative character trait or a positive character trait. Like, obviously, you'd want it to be short memory in the cliche of like, hey, short memory, short memory, made a mistake, just move on from it. But it seems like Josh Allen really does sit with his mistakes. And they do sometimes compound into more mistakes. And that's not something that's uh, happened as much, but I think also I haven't been watching the Buffalo Bills as closely in the other games as I did in the Rams game and the Kansas City game, where I haven't been seeing the mistakes. I guess some of it also with the Miami game, but because those are the games I'm watching, I haven't seen it as much because he hasn't made those type of mistakes, even though the Bills did technically commit like four turnovers in the first half against the Los Angeles Rams week one, but the same thing then is still true now. Turnovers are not the end of the world when we're talking about this Buffalo offense. Yes, they are incredibly costly when you're Zach Wilson, and that's the quarterback who barely gets two scoring drives a game. When you're that team, turnovers are consequential. When you're Buffalo and you can just march down the field in 38 seconds and kick a field goal, different different game, different game all the way through and through. And so you have the turnover, you have Josh Allen throwing his arm at uh, Patrick Peterson. And I'm going to save the should Josh Allen play or not play conversation for another day and like the play through pain culture and Buffalo protecting their asset, even if he doesn't want to protect himself. Like I'll save that conversation for another day because there's just so much to break down in this game. So after you have um, Peterson take the ball out, I think this is point four at this point that I wanted to talk about. So after you have Peterson take the ball out of the end zone, back to the 30-yard line, the Vikings march down the field, it's the fourth quarter, and they get that touchdown drive that had Kirk Cousins scrambling for 16 yards. I don't know if y'all remember that play or uh, want to Google that play, but Kirk Cousins scrambled for a, a surprisingly large amount of yards, 
doubly surprising when you talk about just how skilled that Buffalo offense is. And I am incredibly, incredibly uh, (laughs) impressed by the Minnesota Vikings' ability to generate offense in kind of batshit crazy ways. Because we know, I mean, we're going to talk about the the Jefferson catch in a sec, but like, we know Justin Jefferson is awesome. We know he's almost unguardable, and we know Kirk Cousins seeks him out, and it doesn't matter because he still makes plays. Just start me. When I'm on your Madden team, rushing the passer and tackling dudes are some strings of mine. Build your gang strategy around me cause my rating is 99 Feel this law for LB by just calling on me and we both can shine Cause I just need one more shot to be MVP Yeah, we can win so I'm saying start me Let's do this Stop all plays just using my body When I'm on your Madden team Change your roster up and just start me Opponents never gonna make first downs Try and try to won't gain no ground team and take them all the way madden nfl 17 ea sports it's in the game so cj ham scores that touchdown it's 27 24 buffalo gets the ball back they punt right back to minnesota after that and then we get von miller on third and 10 going into the two minute warning sacking kirk cousins to set up a fourth and 18. And anytime Von Miller gets involved in these situations, we have to play Von Miller's amazing Madden 17 commercial as we just did there. Cause this is when Von Miller makes his impact on the game. Is he only playing like 60% of the Bills' snaps? Yes. Is he also one of the sack leaders in the NFL? Yes. Because Von Miller is ridiculously good at football. So Von Miller sacks the Buffalo Bills, or sorry, sacks the Minnesota Vikings back to 4th and 18, and on 4th and 18, with one timeout and two minutes to go, Kirk Cousins Purgatory pulls off the most Kirk Cousins Purgatory shit in the world. He goes 4th and 18, bleep it, Justin Jefferson gotta be down there somewhere, and Justin Jefferson makes a one-handed catch at the very end of the game and that is genuinely one of the best catches I have ever seen this is not a hyperbole coming out of the game it's been a few hours when that happened I just couldn't believe that that was not intercepted could not believe that that pass was not intercepted because it went over Jefferson's head there was a there was a safety coming in with two hands on the ball And somehow Justin Jefferson pulled it in behind his head with one hand. It was absolutely fantastic. Fantastic. And the fourth and 18 play to pick up the first down was the moment where I'm like, oh shit, the Vikings might win this game. Oh shit, Buffalo might might have just lost this game. This game that they were up 27 to 10 and had been dominating most of the game and also included two red zone turnovers while also being up 27 to 10. Buffalo ends up with 
a fourth and or sorry, Minnesota ends up with a fourth and 18 conversion that then leads to first and goal on the next play to Justin Jefferson later. So now we're getting into deep Kirk Cousins purgatory shit. One minute to play, no uh, one timeout, down four points. Kirk Cousins gets the ball down to the goal line. They try and run it with Dalvin Cook, nothing. Again, like I said, outside of the 81-yard touchdown, Dalvin Cook was averaging three yards a carry on 13 carries. Like, it was Buffalo's rush defense is awesome, and Minnesota can't do anything against it. So, third and goal, completes the pass to Justin Jefferson, and he gets stopped at the one-yard line. So now it's fourth and goal at the one. You think that after the Jefferson catch, this is going to be the craziest play of the game. And lo and behold, Kirk Cousins tosses a pass in the flat to Dalvin Cook, who drops the game-winning touchdown in the flat with a Buffalo defender closing in on him, but wouldn't have been able to close fast enough to stop him from scoring the touchdown, drops the game-winning touchdown pass. With 50 seconds to play, and they call an offsides on the Buffalo Bills. And in that moment, I'm just like, oh my god, that is absolutely ridiculous. And I know where this is all leading. You guys know where this is all leading. So, like, there's plays in between. I want to emphasize just how batshit the plays before were to the play that we're all thinking about. Third and goal, Jefferson gets tackled at the one. Buffalo has to call timeout to save time on the clock. Minnesota drops the game winner with Dalvin Cook, just straight drop on fourth and one. But an offsides on Buffalo means now you get the ball at the half yard line. So when you have the ball in the half yard line, just power forward with Kirk Cousins. And lo and behold, nothing. They don't get it. They don't get the touchdown on a QB scramble from Kirk Cousins. And then we get to the play that we're all thinking about, which is, of course, the Buffalo Bills fumbling the football at the goal line on the direct snap where you just have to plow the ball forward one time. One time, just push the ball forward. And then Minnesota will call a timeout. And by that point, there's no jeopardy of taking a safety. If you plow forward for two yards... You can technically kneel down. It wouldn't be easy, but you could technically kneel down on the next play. Nope. Drop snap. Fumble. Recovered by Minnesota for a touchdown with 38 seconds left to play. Just the most batshit fucking crazy play ever. And I say this after Justin Jefferson just made maybe the greatest catch I've ever seen. And after Dalvin Cook straight drops the game-winning touchdown that didn't count because it was called offsides on Buffalo. Just absolutely ridiculous. Because not only that, like, the fumble at the goal line swung the score from four points to three points. One thing I forgot to mention, the only reason it was three points is because Greg Joseph hit the upright on an extra point after the C.J. Ham touchdown. So if Minnesota makes that extra point, they're up four instead of three. It's absolutely wild. Absolutely insane how that all ends up playing out. And so what ends up happening is the Minnesota Vikings take a 30-27 to lead. Buffalo goes right down the field 
with a 38 second drill because again like this is I know Josh Allen's injured and I was totally expecting that that fumble would be the difference and Buffalo wouldn't come back and tie the game because like how do you recover from the most chaotic loss since like Deshaun Jackson's punt return on the last play of the game how do you recover from fumbling the game-winning snap no buffalo just goes right down 50 yards like it's nothing 38 seconds no timeouts just right down the field we're good gabe davis has a 20-yard catch that puts him in a field goal range just no problem we can just do the same thing the chiefs do just march right down the field one like uh remember that cincinnati baltimore sunday night game a few weeks ago where baltimore had two minutes and three timeouts after the Bengals tied the game and Lamar Jackson's like you're giving us three extra timeouts and a whole extra minute to do something we've done before you're telling us we need a field goal and you're giving us two minutes and three timeouts we only need one minute and no timeouts to do that that's basically where Buffalo was it's like 38 seconds no timeouts cool we got this and they went right down and they tied the game because of course they tied the game and at that moment Everyone is like, yes, give us more of this incredibly stupid and fun football, which is exactly what we got once we get to overtime, which overtime is now, I guess, the the ninth thing that I wanted to talk about as it relates to this game. So at this point, we've gone through nine different talking points that I wanted to go to, which is the Buffalo running game, the Josh Allen injuries, the Dalvin Cook touchdown, Josh Allen throwing the interception in the red zone, then you have... C.J. Ham's touchdown drive and the Kirk Cousins scramble that followed after the Peterson interception. The 4th and 18 play to Jefferson, which maybe we didn't spend enough time on the 4th and 18 play from Jefferson, but just the idea of hand behind the head with the safety having two hands on the ball is the greatest catch I have seen this year at the bare minimum, let's say. One of the great catches ever. That's not to say three greatest catches, two greatest catches. Best catch I've seen in a year. Let's call it that. Let's call it the best catch I've seen in a year of watching football. And so you have that play on 4th and 18, and the context of that situation might end up remaining in history book lore. I mean, I know like Odell Beckham's catch didn't have any context to it, and that's the one that we remember forever, or... Uh, that one-handed catch that George Pickens had that kind of went viral on the Thursday night game. Like, yeah, a lot of these plays don't actually have the context that we think of of 4th and 18, bleep it. <laughs> Justin Jefferson got to be down there somewhere. But that 4th that and 18 play is going to be legendary, I would hope, in the amount of batshit crazy plays that happened here. And I hope it's not forgotten the same way, like, the Tariq Hill touchdown with a minute to go in the AFC divisional game against Buffalo last year's forgotten where he's throwing up deuce signs because he just broke a 60 yard touchdown run with a minute left to play to take the lead but then two more scores and three or three more scores and two more touchdowns happen afterwards so it's only the 13th most memorable play of that game but I I hope the Jefferson play gets remembered forever but basically so we talked about the Jefferson play we talked about third and goal to fourth and goal and the drop by Dalvin Cook which was already insane that's going to be forgotten because of the offsides then we have Kirk Cousins stopped on the sneak we have Josh Allen's fumble at the one yard line oh one more thing I wanted to add about Josh Allen at the one yard line before we get to overtime I don't know what the injury factor played into that one. Again, like I said earlier, we're going to save the whole should Josh Allen play at this point for another conversation. We don't have all the medical info. 
kind of just playing this one out the same way I've said before, which is the entire construct of the regular season for Buffalo is to get healthy for the playoffs. And now that they have the same record as the Dolphins and Jets, you you can kind of push back on that notion a little bit because, man, they've dropped some tough one-score games this year. Like Buffalo, (laughs) there's not a game this year I look at and say Buffalo shouldn't be undefeated because they beat the shit out of even good teams. They beat the shit out of bad and, and good teams. It's only against... Miami, Minnesota, who are at the very least like top eight teams in the NFL. Like Miami's the fourth best team in the AFC. Minnesota's the third or second, third or fourth best team in the NFC. Like teams that are at least on the same level of competence as Buffalo. Buffalo this year has lost games that have been by incredibly thin margins. Even the Jets game, even the Jets game is an incredibly thin margin for Buffalo. So they're going to be fine. They're going to win a lot of games. They have the number three offense and the number one defense like Buffalo's going to be fine at this point going forward. But, you know, I understand the difficulty there, but I don't know what type of injury situation played a factor on the Josh Allen one. I don't know. I mean, he went down and scored right away, but I'd love to know the, the psychology of Josh Allen in that moment. And I'll never be able to understand that. It's just really interesting to think about what the psychology is when you've just thrown the interception to Peterson, dropped the the fumble that leads to the score at the start of regulation. It seems like these things really sit with Josh Allen because I've seen him toss multiple helmets. I've seen him break chairs. I've seen like I've seen the outbursts from Josh Allen. I've seen the the depressed stares of nothingness from Josh Allen. Like I it feels like these these mistakes sit with him longer than other people. And again, I think the psychology of that is is super interesting. So we talked about that. We talked about the Gabe Davis catch, the 38-second drill right down the field. Overtime. Minnesota. Jefferson gets a, 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 what was it, like a second and 22. Justin Jefferson got a pass interference call. And uh, then after that, you got a third down and 10 play that was converted to Justin Jefferson that was like reminiscent of uh, when Gronk and Brady just kept going one two one two against Kansas City in the playoffs a few years ago, where it's just like Kirk Cousins, Justin Jefferson, third and ten is totally convertible because Justin Jefferson is amazing. Bing to Jefferson, second and twenty two, pass interference on Buffalo on a play that was targeted for Jefferson, but I don't think Jefferson would have made the play. I say that fully understanding that Justin Jefferson makes the play a lot more often than we ever think that Justin Jefferson could make a play for. So that ends up going down. They only get a field goal because even though they got gassed by Kansas City last year, this year's Buffalo Bills team still has the number one scoring defense in the NFL, ranked number two in DVOA, third ranked rushing defense, seventh ranked passing defense. Like this defense is really good for Buffalo. So they they held Minnesota to a field goal Buffalo gets the ball back and Josh Allen throws a pretty dumb interception to end the game just pretty dumb pass to get intercepted and I don't think even that last play like we can take the game as a whole as like a macro level conversation but one game sample sizes are not enough to do evaluations nonetheless one play sample sizes like Patrick Mahomes lost the game against the Colts doing the same shit just a stupid interception. He lost uh, He lost a game. I, I don't think it was against, was it against Washington. I, I can't remember who he lost to last year. That was a stupid game. But Mahomes has lost games on stupid interceptions before. Josh Allen has lost games on stupid interceptions. He's lost playoff games on stupid interceptions. That game against the Texans in 2020, 
or I guess it was the 2019 season. Like that was a stupid end for the Buffalo Bills. Like this happens, happens to every quarterback. It's just because Tom Brady does it more often than everyone else. We think Tom Brady always does it or because Mahomes does it more often than anyone else. We think Mahomes does it. When you evaluate it within the context of dropping the ball at the goal line, plus throwing that interception, plus the Patrick Peterson interception, yeah, you could maybe make a case that like it's multiple consecutive plays that cost Buffalo the game. And if this were a playoff game, which this incredibly felt like, this felt like it could be a divisional playoff game, no question. Maybe an AFC championship game. I know they play in different conferences, but like this, this legitimately felt like it could be a playoff game. With the the way the game script played out where Buffalo goes up 17 points, but then once desperation kicks in and Buffalo makes the mistakes that allows Minnesota back in the game, totally felt like a playoff game. It felt like that Cincinnati-Kansas um, City game last year. It felt like that Rams-Bucks game from last year. It's why people are going to call it the game of the year because it felt like all four of those playoff games last year. And what's the consistent thing between those teams? These are the teams that are actually the top six in the NFL. Like Minnesota, uh, Philadelphia, Kansas City, Buffalo, Baltimore, and and Miami, those are the best teams in the NFL. Those are the teams that will create games like the Rams-Bucks in the playoffs last year, like 49ers-Rams, like Bengals-Titans, well, not like Bengals-Titans, but call it Bengals-Titans. That was a fun, crazy game last year. Like Bengals-Titans, like the, the Chiefs-Bills game, if we're talking about the two best teams and that being the best playoff game any of us have ever seen. Maybe it's Bills Chiefs, maybe it's Rams Bucks, maybe it's 49ers Packers, maybe it's like Bengals Titans, maybe it's like Bengals Chiefs, like all those playoff games last year that everyone thought were amazing. It's because those teams are, are equally matched to each other. And not the, not on the equal talent level. Buffalo clearly has more talent than Minnesota. The talent levels are close enough where dumb shit like this happens, where Buffalo drops the ball on the goal line or Dalvin Cook drops the game-winning touchdown, when dumb shit like that happens, it can be incredibly, incredibly entertaining. We know Buffalo is a better team than Minnesota. We know that that's the case, and so what? We know that Kansas City was a way better team than Cincinnati last year, and they still lost because, you know, bullshit can happen when the talent level is close enough to each other in the NFL. When both teams do something at the very, very best in the league. Buffalo does offense and defense better than everyone. Minnesota does offense certainly better than most in the league. Defense forces a lot of turnovers, and when Josh Allen does the turnover thing, like the dumb interception at the end of the game or just straight dropping the football at the one-yard line, like when they do shit like that, that's opportunistic defense. But opportunistic defense and great offense against great defense, great offense— means we can have batshit crazy stuff like this happen. And again, think about all the chances Minnesota had to lose this game. The Jefferson catch, Dalvin Cook dropping the game-winning pass, simply being down 27-10, to 10. Buffalo choosing to go for it on 4th and 2 at the 6 instead of kicking a field goal. So many batshit crazy plays that should have made it so Minnesota doesn't win that game. And you know what? If this had been the AFC Championship game, again, I know they're in different conferences. If this had been the AFC Championship game, you tip your cap to Minnesota and say, you know what? You get to make a bullshit Super Bowl. Just like the Bengals made a bullshit Super Bowl last year, you know what? It all counts the same. Congratulations to you. Minnesota's a bullshit 8-1 because they should have lost to the Lions and they should have lost this game. Literally, Buffalo should be 8-1, and one, Minnesota should be 6-3. and three. That's what those teams are on paper. On paper, Buffalo is 8-1, and one, Minnesota is 6-3. and three. 
tough shit. Buffalo threw the game away with dumb interceptions and offsides and just straight dropping the football at the one yard line. It happens. It happens. It was about to happen to the Rams last year against the Bucks. Rams threw away a 25 point lead that should have been 35 if Cam, uh, was it Cam Akers? If Cam Akers doesn't fumble the ball at the one yard line, they would have been up 35 3 at halftime. It happens. If you make dumbass mistakes, shit happens. Mahomes makes dumbass mistakes. Josh Allen makes dumbass mistakes. The only difference is they make them less often than Ryan Tannehill. They make them less often, like, they make them less often than whoever else you want to put in this game. It was crazy. And by the way, Minnesota getting a bullshit win? Yeah, it was bullshit. It was also incredibly entertaining. There's a difference between doing the evaluation and the entertainment value. The entertainment was, holy shit, that game was amazing. The actual analysis is, holy shit, Buffalo threw that game away. That Buffalo is clearly a better team than Minnesota. They threw that game away. We have a two-year sample size and even this year a nine-game sample size that confirms Buffalo is a better team than Minnesota. And holy shit, they threw that game away. And at the same time, holy shit, was it entertaining. That's the same thing I say about uh, Bengals and Chiefs last year in the AFC Championship game. Kansas City, clearly a better team than Bengals, clearly more deserving of making it to the Super Bowl in the grand scheme of the NFL. And at the same time, holy shit, it was entertaining. Holy shit, it was entertaining to watch Cincinnati and Kansas City last year. And holy shit, it was entertaining to watch that Vikings and Bills game while also acknowledging Buffalo is a better team. That's the difference between the analysis and the entertainment value. Entertainment value is, fuck yeah, Minnesota, 8-1. and one. You're incredibly stupid, 8-1, and one, but 8-1 and one nonetheless. You're a bullshit 8-1 and one team. Congratulations. You should be 6-3. and three. You should even be 5-4. and four. But you're 8-1. and one. Some fucking bullshit, but congratulations to you for being 8-1. and one. All right, everybody. It is time for us to hand out the Kirk Cousins Purgatory Award for week number 10. This is, of course, the award that is handed out every single week to the quarterback who finds themselves down six with one minute to play, no timeouts, and needing to go the length of the field. Congratulations, Kirk Cousins. For your, once again, Kirk Cousins purgatory magic. Because uh, it wasn't exactly Kirk Cousins purgatory situation. It was two minutes, down four, one timeout, and needing to go the length of the field. I think a fourth and 18 to Justin Jefferson is gonna get that bonus point for you. The fourth and 18 one-handed catch to Jefferson is going to give Kirk Cousins his second Second Kirk Cousins Purgatory Award for 2022. But of course, the award is named in his honor because he is now, as we've been counting this the last two years, this is the seventh time, I'm sorry, the eighth time that Kirk Cousins has received the Kirk Cousins Purgatory Award. This is, of course, the Philip Rivers Memorial Kirk Cousins Purgatory Award. So uh, Philip Rivers handed the mantle to Kirk Cousins, who now carries on this wonderful tradition. We also have another winner this week for the Kirk Cousins Purgatory Award. This is going to be one of those rare double weeks because anytime there is a true, true, true Kirk Cousins Purgatory situation, we have to acknowledge and hand out the award. So this week, Russell Wilson 
who found himself down seven, one minute, no timeouts, needing to go 75 yards. The exact circumstances for Kirk Cousins' purgatory. Russell Wilson, you will also get the award this week. Every now and again, we do double ups for the awards. Last week, there were four that were in Kirk Cousins' purgatory territory, but Derek Carr had a true situation exactly like Russell Wilson, which is down seven, no timeouts, one minute to play, length of the field to go. Russell Wilson had the exact situation. So this week, both Kirk Cousins and Russell Wilson, we acknowledge your successes or failings in Kirk Cousins' purgatory because Russell Wilson did lose that game in Kirk Cousins' purgatory. But at the same time, you just got to be in Kirk Cousins' purgatory more than anything else. Doesn't matter if you win, doesn't matter if you lose. Just being in the state of being down six, no timeouts, needing to go the length of the field is the thing that's most important. So thank you for everyone who stopped into today's podcast. We are going to leave you today with our Buffalo Bills parody song. I know that the Bills lost, but I want to play our Lil Nas X Buffalo Bills parody song because even in loss, they deserve to be acknowledged for playing the NFL game of the year. Take it easy, everybody. You throw a fourth TD on a dime. You ain't got no fear of any Colts or Dolphins. Josh Allen gets Bills the wins. You want to play the Chiefs and to beat Andy Reid and his schemes, avenging your past mistakes and take the Bills to the big game. Three years, I thought you was phony. Got digs, then you flipped it on me. I was thinking you were Carson Wentz. You made your mark, became an MVP. Deep throws, always looking daunting. Tossed up to Davis and McKenzie. It's hard for teams to deny it. When Allen beats double safety, you keep losing to Mahomes. Sitting on the bench, 13 to go. Overtime coin flips turned up wrong. Makes your season seem so marginal. And this year you'll find a way Gonna get past Kansas City Allen and the Bills are gonna be Super Bowl champs 2023 Oh, I wanna run the ball Don't wanna slide I just wanna dive Send me the call And I'll throw the ball I wanna run the ball Don't wanna slide I'm just gonna dive Send me the call, and I'll throw the ball. You throw a fourth TD on a dime. You ain't got no fear of any Colts or Dolphins. Josh Allen gets Bills the wins. You want to play the Chiefs and to beat Andy Reid and his schemes, avenging your past mistakes and take the Bills to the big game.